Welcome to the Principles of Success, interviewing the experts, and today's book review is Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace Revisited. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So this is not my favorite book of Dave Ramsey's, but it's a good one and provides good points to talk about for today's episode. And it's still a good one to read. So my first big takeaway is actually not a point that he was trying to make, but that is debt works great until it doesn't. There's a reason why Dave Ramsey is more against debt than even I am, and that's because he got burned really bad from over-leveraging in the real estate market. Because the cool thing about real estate is mortgages are really low in percentages for interest, and there's a lot of ways that you can get down with putting a very minimal amount of your own money into the real estate deal. So you can acquire a big asset portfolio with hardly any of your own money just by going into debt into your eyeballs. But then you get the nice benefit of all that cash flow and it works great. Problem is it's a house of cards and it works great until things go south and then it doesn't work great. And that's what happened to Dave Ramsey is he was doing great. He was rolling and luxury like he had a super nice car going on resort vacations he was doing well and then things went south and he didn't even have enough money to put into his fancy car for gas and it doesn't even have to be your it doesn't even have to be your fault or it doesn't even have to be a recession all it has to be is something that changes at the bank and they have to and they call in all of your debt that you have borrowed from several different banks, and if you don't pay them back, they will take everything you have. The borrower is subject to the lender. When you borrow money from any institution, including a bank, you are that person's slave. You have to do what they tell you to, otherwise they get to screw you up. This is why I am more against buying houses than even Dave Ramsey, because that mortgage traps you. You can't just quit your job when you're trapped by that mortgage. It, you can't pivot. So that was my first takeaway. Debt works great until it doesn't. Until something changes. Next, 0% down financing, 0% interest loans. All these really good deals to get, <clears throat> to get you to buy stuff. Like, for instance, a freaking couch. Like, oh, you don't have to pay it for 90 days. Well, at the end of that 90 days, you get some pretty ridiculous interest rates. And these, basically, any time that you borrow money, you are becoming, money is not free. The reason why they are lending money to you is because they want to get more money out of you than if you had paid cash for it. Now, like I talked about in the inflation episode, there are some circumstances where you might actually want to finance some stuff, but overall, it's usually a bad idea especially for consumer stuff, like a freaking couch or a, or a refrigerator. You don't need a fancy refrigerator that talks to you. 
Sorry. If you're not super, super wealthy already, you definitely don't need a fancy refrigerator that talks to you. And they entice you to put these on payment plans and uh, 0% interests or 0% down plans because they don't make money from selling the product as much as they make money from the interest that is accrued on average from people doing this. Because most people do not pay back their loans before the interest starts compounding. And compound interest is a fantastic way to make some money. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Next takeaway. That extra paycheck. Basically, what it means is if you're married and both of you are working... Are you actually generating extra money from both of you working instead of the wife being able to stay home with the kids? Or are you actually losing money from it? And he goes into several examples of how you're not actually making that much extra money from having to have two cars with um, wear and tear on them, insurance, gas, all that takes into a role. Having to pay for babysitters and um, cleaning services and all of that. But the biggest one is the lifestyle creep is what I call it. And that is, oh, we got this extra money. Well, let's improve our lifestyles for, um, and blow all of this extra money instead of improving our financial situations. So that way we don't have to have two jobs. And this happened. Prime example is my parents, my parents, my mom was stay at home mom for the first little while and we were financially struggling but then my mom started working and both of my parents are workaholics um but they did the grievous sin of increasing their lifestyle they are still completely broke like there's only been on rare occasions where they've had even an emergency fund but at this stage of their life they make really good money but they're still still broke. So don't let your lifestyle keep you trapped, especially when it makes you do something that you might not want to do, like half, like for wives having to have a job. And yes, I know that's old school, but statistically, it's still what most couples prefer or would prefer if it was if they thought it was a option. Most people think that two incomes are required at this point. Next takeaway. Being young and stupid and going into debt to acquire the same lifestyle that your parents have taken an an entire lifetime to acquire. So what that means is you do not make the same kind of money that your parents make. And at least when you're like in your 20s and they're in their 50s. And they've had 30 additional years to acquire capital and acquire all of the nice things that they have. But you're impatient, so you go into massive debt to get the same lifestyle that they have. This is buying the same uh, caliber of house that they have. This is buying the same caliber of cars. This is doing the same vacations that they do. Same furniture. 
And all of it is on credit, which means they look like they're doing fine, but in truth, their finances are in deep, a deep trouble. And that goes into keeping up with the Joneses. And almost everybody is guilty of wanting to keep up with the Joneses. Even I am guilty of wanting to keep up with the Joneses. And I am way better than most people about it. Like, I, I still drive a $1,500 car for most of the time. And yes, it's annoying when people make fun of it. But you know what's not annoying? Knowing that I can retire here pretty much anytime I want to within the next couple of years. I'm not quite there yet, but I'm close. So out of the last three major purchases that you did, what was the reason behind them? If it was to impress people that you don't even like, then you are definitely keeping up with the Joneses and you are screwing up your finances to do it. Next takeaway. Banks are a for-profit organization. And I've actually been really on this um, particular stick for a little bit. Banks are not your friend. Banks are there to take your money and make money off of you. That is the purpose of the bank. And they will do everything in their power to siphon off as much money from you as they possibly can. Especially in the form of credit cards. Credit cards are pure evil. They can be a useful tool, but they are still diabolical, designed to try and steal as much money from financially illiterate people as possible. There's not many products out there where you can invest in a terrible investment and get a 24% return on it. How banks make money is they lend money to morons who then pay interest on the money that they lent out. Are they a useful tool? Yes, especially when you're doing real estate related activities, but they are a for-profit organization and you are their target. They want your money. So beware. Next takeaway, debt is a cancer. It's a cancer for your personal finances and it's a cancer on capitalism. Corporations and big banks love people going into debt because it means that they have to work for them. It means that you're buying more of their products and that they are generating money off of you from the interest. Essentially, they want you to be forced to work your whole life to pay off your debts for the things that you didn't even want or like that they convinced you to buy because debt is cheap. And then they have the audacity to tell you that it's good for the economy. Next, your brain doesn't comprehend plastic purchases. You just swipe your card. It is statistically proven that when you just... that people who use cards spend more. I am very guilty of this. Like, there's very few people who are more frugal than me, but I don't pay attention to the prices at the grocery store. Like, at all. Like, I get sticker shock every time I look because things up because we're in that inflationary spiral right now and everything keeps skyrocketing. But I'm going to buy what I'm going to buy regardless, and I live a disciplined, frugal enough life that the purchases I do make are already the good purchases anyway, so it's not like I'm going to change my opinion and be like, huh, maybe instead of chicken today, I'll buy spam. So I don't pay attention to the prices. And then when I look at my credit card statements or look at my receipt, I'm like, holy freak, I spent a lot of money. So if you have a spending problem... Even debit cards are probably dangerous for you. You definitely should not have a credit card if you have a spending problem. 
uh, or even like to spend money. If spending money is enjoyable for you, then you probably shouldn't have a credit card and possibly not even a debit card. If it physically hurts, like for me, that credit card's not that dangerous. But if you like to spend money, if you like stuff, then it might be a good idea to spend cash because your brain comprehends cash differently than swiping a little piece of plastic. You actually have to physically watch the money disappear. You're like, oh no, my wallet's lighter. Maybe I shouldn't spend as much. So that's the next takeaway. Next, I am running out of time, but never do home equity loans, car leasing. Fixed rate mortgages is meh. So home equity loans, you are taking debt out on the place that you sleep at night to buy more stupid stuff. Great idea. Car leasing. You get to spend all of this money on a car that you don't even get to own at the end of the deal. Another great idea. Whoever came up with that one and convinced people that it was a good idea, they probably got a gold star. Everyone is trying to steal your money. You need to be on guard. Fixed rate mortgages is meh. So fixed rate mortgages is meh is because buying a home is not a super good financial move. If you are going to do it, because there's lots of reasons to buy a home outside of pure financial purposes, you want a fixed rate mortgage. You don't want a adjustable mortgage because those can go up pretty high and they never seem to go down. And he doesn't really talk about it too much in this book, but a 30-year mortgage is oftentimes actually better than a 15-year mortgage due to higher interest rates and opportunity cost of not being able to invest in other stuff. And speaking of that kind of stuff, I realized I forgot to mention one of the 0% interests from the beginning of this episode. And that is there's usually penalties for that kind of stuff for paying it off early because they don't like you to pay it off early. They want to make money off of you owing the money. So that's another reason why those are stupid. If you can't afford the things that you want to buy, don't buy them with the rare occasion of maybe a house. Because when you are in debt, they own you until you pay it back. And they can't, And because you are personally liable, if you don't pay it back, they can steal your wages. They can take your belongings. Now, it all has to be done through court. Like, they can't just show up, with the exception, I believe, of repos. But I don't, I don't know about that one. I'll scratch, scratch my thoughts on that. They can't do anything without court, but they can stay, take your stuff. They can take your wages like you don't even see your paycheck. They will take it until it's all paid back and they don't want to pay it back early. They want you to pay, keep paying interest on it. So don't go into debt. Now let's talk about getting out of debt real quick. And I realized I am running out of time. So let's zip through this. One, quit borrowing money. Getting out of debt is not hard. Staying out of debt is hard. Two, snowball effect. Snowball effect is essentially pay off the smaller debts first because it'll give you small wins and then it frees up capital that was going towards those ones to pay more, to pay more off of the next debt. So if you have a thousand dollars left on your car payment and you have two thousand dollars left on your fridge payment, pay the car payment off first, then pay the fridge payment. Third one is collections. I already talked about a little bit. Um, they can't take your stuff, garnish your wages without court. And they can't call you at obscene hours of the night, among other indecent practices, that it is illegal for them to do that. Next, look for bargains and negotiate. When you are purchasing something, especially something big like a car, you wait. 
I waited for an entire year to purchase my little $1,500 car because I was looking for a really good deal on a car. And I have never had any problems with it, so it's been good. Me and Dave Ramsey disagree on um, investment strategies. He is very pro 401k mutual funds, and I am very pro on bashing on how terrible those are. So with time restraints, we'll just skip past that. Couple financial tips. There is the nerd and there is the free spirit. The nerd is the one who sets the budget. They do not get to be a dictator though. They set the bud they write up the budget plan and then they shut up and the free spirit makes the adjustments so that way the free spirit one is actually willing to live with the plan. Because it is their plan. The free spirit has to grow up and be realistic on what your financial state actually is. And they do not get to cop out with the whatever you want, honey. No, you need to be an adult and learn to manage your finances. The nerd does not get to be a dictator over them, but they get to have the first say in, okay, this is what the smart plan would be. Now, what are you actually willing to do? And then the last points are about teenagers and parents, and they're all basically about setting boundaries. If you become financially successful and your parents are financially stupid, does not mean that you have to continuously give them all of your money. Teenagers, they will respect and will actually turn into better adults if you don't silver spoon them. Make your teenagers buy their own car. Make them pay for their own insurance. Make them earn money instead of just giving them money. And that is it for Dave Ramsey's book. It's a good book. I really enjoyed it. I think it's one of his first ones. And you should go check it out. Alternatively, you can go check out my finance book, The Blueprint of Wealth. Link is down below, and I will see you all next week.